with Quest for Gold on WGN Radio, and we start with U.S. women's soccer. Jill Ellis's tenure as head coach ends in Chicago Sunday with a game against South Korea, the last leg of the victory tour. She finishes with two World Cup wins. Right now, she has 106 wins as head coach of the women's national team. Could cap that off at 107. She was named FIFA Women's Coach of the Year just last month. In Rockford this weekend, Olympic berths on the line for the U.S. table tennis team. They take on Canada at the BMO Harris Bank Center. All winning squads will secure a team berth for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. The losing team in each gender secures a single spot. This is a best-of-five team format featuring one doubles and four singles matches. Congrats to our friend, triple jumper Tori Franklin, who advanced to the finals at the Track and Field World Championships in Qatar. That takes place this weekend. Also this week, Simone Biles leads U.S. gymnastics into Germany for the World Championships. The top eight teams in qualifications make the women's team finals, which will happen Tuesday. The women's all-around finals are Thursday. The men need to lock down a top-nine position to qualify for Tokyo. Selection camp underway for U.S. softball. 29 players competing for a place on the roster, which will be cut down to 15 by the end of camp in Oklahoma City. The U.S. women's basketball team took down Canada to win the 2019 FIBA America Cup gold medal in Puerto Rico earlier this week, winning 67-46. The U.S. going 6-0 in the tournament. The Chicago Sky's Diamond DeShields and Stephanie Dolson contributing in the effort. Congrats to Indiana cyclist Chloe Digert-Owen, who secured an Olympic berth after beating her competition by 90 seconds. At the time, trials at the UCI Road World Championships in Yorkshire, England. Wheaton's Thomas Jaske and Jeff Dendrick helped propel U.S. men's volleyball to a win over world champion Poland at the FIVB World Cup in Japan. They played Japan on Sunday. This week on Quest for Gold, while we look forward to Tokyo, we also take a look back at Chicago's failed bid for the 2016 Olympic Games. Wednesday marked the 10-year anniversary of the announcement that Chicago was no longer in contention. The Games would eventually be awarded to Rio. We learned earlier this year that the process included bribes paid to Rio officials. For more on that, I point you to episode 3 of Quest for Gold when we talked to Andrew Downey, a sports correspondent for Reuters in Rio. But this week, we talked to WGN-TV's Ben Bradley, who at the time was working for ABC7. He traveled with the Chicago delegation throughout this Olympic bid process, leading up all the way to that disappointing announcement in Copenhagen, October 2nd, 2009. For Copenhagen, I mean, th- this was, I mean, everything was out on the table at that point, right? I mean, Daly was there, Obama was there, Oprah was there. I mean, was this kind of a, this is our city? They threw everything possible at this bid? Oh, they brought in the two big biggest O's at that time, Obama and Oprah. And everyone thought that that, while Chicago was a novice bidder, Everyone thought, you know, the implications of having the sitting president of the United States and somebody with, you know, Oprah's star power. And you should have seen these International Olympic Committee members, the ones who would be voting, uh, you know, clamoring uh, for time uh, with those two. No one had more political star power with them than Chicago's bid. But as we now know, you know, almost a decade later, the fix was in for Chicago, and Mayor Daly and the rest of the bid team, I think, were, were some of the last to learn about it. Did you think going into that, that the Chicago bid, the way they had set it up, the plans, the venues, uh, you know, kind of everything that went into it, the transit, I, I mean, did that seem to you as a pretty solid bid? Well, I think you have to look at Chicago's bid 
from two different perspectives. So you have the perspective of Chicagoans, you know, the prospective residents of the host city who were concerned about cost overruns and were concerned about, you know, where is the money going to come from? And they, you know, were told, oh, it's going to be, you know, largely privately funded, but certainly there was going to be, you know, a public cost to it. And Chicagoans, as we all know, you know, are very skeptical about our city's ability to, you know, pull something off in a cost-effective and time-sensitive manner. So you had Chicago's bid from the perspective of locals, and then you had Chicago's bid from the perspective of the international community. And as I traveled with Chicago's bid team and and interviewed International Olympic Committee members, uh, they were incredibly impressed because this was at a time when there was a lot of discussion about whether or not the Olympics were actually good for a host city or do they leave behind you know, a lot of massive, expensive white elephants in the form, you know, of stadiums that get built uh, for the Olympics and used for a couple of weeks, and then they, you know, sit empty or sit underutilized. And Chicago's bid, if you remember, combined some new infrastructure, but a lot of temporary infrastructure, even, you know, the, the, Olympic Stadium that was proposed for Washington Park, uh, that was a temporary proposed venue. Uh, they weren't going to build some, you know, massive 80,000-seat stadium on Chicago's south side and, you know, with the hopes that it would eventually get used down the road. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, from the perspective of the International Olympic Movement, Chicago was one of the first cities to say, hey, we can we can host the Olympics without some of the pitfalls of you know these huge white elephants and a legacy that's anything but positive for a city. Um, and there was a lot of intrigue there. But as we saw, you know, the, the International Olympic Committee is you know a lot like uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of politicians that we see whether it's in the Chicago City Council or Washington D.C. in that they have their own little fiefdoms, uh, they have their own alliances, and they have their own side deals, and that's what we saw play out. Uh, and we now know through testimony given um, by Rio de Janeiro's former governor, uh, the fix was in. There were millions of dollars paid to eliminate what some viewed as the biggest threat to Rio, and that was Chicago. I, I think a lot of people might say, wait a minute, Chicago got out Chicago. How does how does Mayor Daly <laughs> get out hustled, right? I mean, this is his game. But but I mean, there had to be, I, as confident as, as we felt, as confident as they felt, I mean, you don't know until you know, and I'm sure that there were some things, and they were looking at these cities saying, well, you know, this city's got this, or uh, it, the Olympics have, has never been in South America before. Maybe that's something that the Olympic Committee is interested in doing. So there had to be some weakness when when the bid was presented, or at least some lingering questions in the minds of everyone, uh, you know, corruption aside, although that obviously played a big part in it, that, that maybe this won't happen. You know, there was a bit of insecurity from the standpoint of Chicago was a rookie bidder. Madrid had bid before, Tokyo had bid before, Rio, uh, you know, had been involved in the Olympic movement, uh, and Chicago um, really didn't have the relationships that some of these other cities 
had. Now, what Chicago and really every candidate city does is they hire consultants who float around the Olympic movement and float around, um, you know, potential host cities and say, here, you know, I can introduce you to these people and I can tell you what the Olympic um, committee is looking for when it comes to stadiums and when it comes to legacy and, and so on. So, you know, I think we always knew that there was a good amount we didn't know about the internal politics and relationships and, as I said earlier, alliances that go on uh, in the Olympic movement. But as I said that night from Copenhagen after the loss, this is the one election that Mayor Daley didn't count votes ahead of time or couldn't count votes ahead of time. Yeah. Um, tell me about that exact moment. I mean, I was in Daly Plaza when they made the announcement. Scottie Pippen was there. They were Everyone was amped up. There were hundreds of people. And to hear Chicago's name cut from the list right away. The city of Chicago, having obtained the least number of votes, will not participate in the next round. I think even 20 minutes later, people are like, this is a joke, right? What was it like there in the room, in the facility in Copenhagen? Well, as we had reported in the days leading up to that final vote, Chicago's biggest vulnerability was in that first round, right? Do do representatives of the other three cities, you know, team up to knock out a potential um, big competitor? Uh, And sure enough, that's what happened. I, I don't think we... You know, I think we, you know, I should speak for me. I, I, I think there were a, a lot of people who bought into the notion of, hey, this is the Olympics, and they talk about the Olympic spirit and honest competition and blah, 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 blah. Surely the process isn't going to be that rigged. But it was, right? And, and the process was not only rigged from the standpoint of, you know, if you believe the testimony that's that's happened just in the last year that bribes were paid, but also uh, this was not some pure vote for the best city. These were alliances that were created to knock out one city and keep perhaps a weaker city in the further rounds of voting to the benefit of another city. Uh, and there is horse trading that goes on among the International Olympic Committee members who 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 were there voting. You asked what the what the mood was like. Uh, I can remember disbelief because we're we're there in Copenhagen, and Jacques Rogue, the head of the International Olympic Committee at the time, comes to the microphones after the first round and he says, The city of Chicago, having obtained the least number of votes, will not participate in the next round. And we're like, what? What did we just hear? And boom. I mean, Obama was already, you know, halfway across the Atlantic flying home after, you know, coming in uh, to Copenhagen to make a last minute uh, pitch to the International Olympic Committee members. Um you know, Mayor Daly, as I recall, hadn't even gotten to the convention hall yet and just turned around. Wow. Uh, so there was shock and there was disbelief. And I remember that night, Mayor Daly, when when we caught up with him um, uh, back at uh, the the place where the Chicago team had gathered, he made no apologies about it. You know, he you could tell he was a little shell shocked. But he said then, and I've talked to him about it since then, you know, he, he argues that that Olympic bid 
was the single best advertisement for Chicago to the world that could exist. And, you know, I, 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 on the occasion of the 10th anniversary of the defeat there on October 2nd, um, you know, I got together with, uh, there was a kind of a little reunion get-together among people who you know, had covered the bid and been involved in the bid. And that was the takeaway. Even 10 years later was, while it was a loss to Chicago, and comma, no one knows you know, how good or bad hosting the games would have been for our city, the one thing that people still think about is, is how well Chicago showed on an international stage. I always think about when I'm driving northbound on Lakeshore Drive and you make that bend kind of over by the Museum of Science and Industry and you look at the city skyline, how did we lose? I mean, it is, you know, it looks like such a perfect city to host something like that. Do you, first of all, let me ask you this, do you think that if Chicago would have gotten the bid, if we would have hosted the Olympics, that Daly would still be mayor? I mean, do you think that he would have kind of followed through that? Have you, have you thought about that at all? The day that he shocked everybody and announced uh, that he wasn't going to be running again, I, I remember thinking that, that if we had gotten the Olympics, I bet you Daly would have seen it through. Um, you know, just if for nothing else to have that moment in the opening statement, the opening stadium of, you know, you are the mayor and you brought the Olympics to your city. Uh, I, yeah, so personally, I, I do think he would have stayed. Who knows, right? You know, there's there was a lot going on. Um, you know, his wife was ill and sure. and, and whatnot. You know, I I, I think I, I'm of the of the school of thought that and, and I, I went back and I looked at some of my coverage um, leading up to the Olympic bid. And there was something that I uh, had posted in response uh, to somebody. And I and I said, covering Chicago's Olympic bid is a bit like, you know, reporting on the Bears at Soldier Field. You know, you can want your team to win, but it's also, as a journalist, your obligation to point out at what cost and where mistakes are made. And that's what we did, I think, all of us as reporters, Jay Levine, Phil Rogers, uh, you know, the, plus, you know, the print reporters and others who had, had covered the bid and traveled all those miles. You know, we were not cheerleaders for the bid, but I think we did... It was fascinating to see how uh, and report on how our city was received and perceived uh, by the international community, because that's just not something we as local news reporters have the chance to do. I I can remember being at some presentation in in Switzerland uh, where Mayor Daley had gone out and they had this big kind of Chicago booth. um, And I remember asking uh, members of the International Olympic community as they would come by and you know it was an interactive booth with these huge photos of chicago and ryan that view you're talking about of the skyline and the lake Mm -hmm. and i remember people saying wow you know i guess i hear of you know chicago on a lake but i think you know i don't know if i thought a pond or what but like it's an ocean chicago looks like it's on an ocean how beautiful and and so i that always stuck with me and mayor daly said he heard actually a lot of that that same type of talk is that you know, as much as we love our city, the international community, I don't think, is as familiar with Chicago, you know, beyond at that time, Michael Jordan and, you know, the, the stereotypes. And so it was great to see people impressed by Chicago uh, 
in the way that they were. With everything that's happened in the 10 years since, Laquan McDonald uh, struggles financially. How do you think we would have... How do you think we would have handled it if the Olympics, if we would have gotten the green light here? I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it would have been just like any other <laughs> massive civic undertaking in that there would have been great moments and there would have been mini scandals and there would have been cost overruns and there would have been surprises and there would have been winners and losers. And I think... You know, the South Side would have been forever changed. You can argue uh, that that change would have been good in some ways, bad in others. You know, the other thing you asked me also about the legacy of Chicago's Olympic bid, and I think some of the ways in which different community groups have approached big, huge projects like Lincoln Yards, like the Obama Presidential Center. Um, is an outgrowth of how Chicago's Olympic bid um, was presented and um, pitched as an opportunity to help neighborhoods. So what I mean is if you look at the Obama presidential center, you know, and you know, from the outside people might say, Oh, well, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't those neighborhoods be thrilled that, the Obama Presidential Center isn't going downtown, that it's going on the south side and in a way to help communities that have often been overlooked when it comes to economic development. But you have communities who say, well, wait a minute, what about rents? And what about gentrification? What about us being forced out of our neighborhoods? And will the mom and pop restaurants survive? And so you have this whole notion of a community benefits agreement, which was first talked about uh, in great detail during Chicago's Olympic bid that are now part of, of projects that have come since then. With all the work and energy that was expended in that bid, it seems like when that announcement came, it, the city has not been interested again. Do you see Chicago again getting into that conversation? Or was that just too heavy of a, a lift and, and maybe we're having a little breakup uh, remorse where we just don't want to play the game anymore? There was definitely, we, we were the scorned lover, right? I, I can remember, you know, Mayor Daly saying never again. Um, Rahm Emanuel had no interest in hosting the Olympics, even though the, the the idea of rebidding came up because most eventual host cities don't win on their first bid. And the thought was, well, we already have all the plans in place. Why not, why not bid for the next one? Uh, Rahm Emanuel was not supportive of that at all. I think the conversation around the Olympics has changed a bit, and it was in the process of starting to change during Chicago's bid, um, and it's evolved even more um, about whether or not hosting the Olympics for those couple of weeks really are worth all of the expense uh, and local impact uh, in the long term. You know, all you have to do is Google, you know, uh, abandoned Olympic venues and you will see the most depressing photographs of huge stadiums and massive swimming pools that have been built in Athens and Rio and other cities you know, that now have tumbleweeds blowing through. Uh, the legacy of the Olympics for a host city uh, are certainly not always positive. And as Rio de Janeiro found out, um, you know, they have a lot of uh, unused 
venues and a lot of empty promises. Sure. Well, but then you've got a city like London. Tokyo seems to be able to turn the switch and, you know, some of these big major cities. It's just kind of a, another thing that's going on in their city. And I don't know where we fall if we're... Well, but keep in mind there were, there were different bids, right? So, you know, while a, while cities like Chicago and London and Tokyo are already these kind of big cosmopolitan cities with infrastructure and hotel rooms and the ability to host major events... You know, in some regards, you know, Rio de Janeiro, a big part of their bid was we will use the Olympic Games to transform our city sure. into um, more than just a beautiful you know, beach and tourist destination. This will help our favelas, our, our you know, impoverished communities. And this will we will build massive, um, you know, train lines that don't currently exist. You, you know, so. The, I think hosting the Olympics means different things for different cities, and therefore the legacy is different for different cities. A few weeks back, I asked U.S. Senator Dick Durbin to reflect on the disappointing announcement. He remembers being with the delegation headed back to Chicago. On Air Force One, flying over with the president, meeting up with the mayor of Chicago to see if we won that Olympic bid. We lost, and everybody was pretty sad as a result of it. I suspected then we all did that there was a bigger part to the story that we didn't know. As for how Chicago would have handled it if the city won? It would have been a massive public uh, expenditure and investment. I hope it would have had great returns, but we've had some pretty perilous financial times since then. So even though I don't like what happened, I didn't like to lose, and I hate to hear about bribes, in the end, it could have been an experience we would have been uh, very happy about at the end. The decision definitely changed the city's trajectory one way or another. Special thanks to WGN-TV's Ben Bradley. Next week, we'll talk U.S. women's soccer. We'll have an update on Tori Franklin, and we'll let you know who came out of Rockford with an Olympic bid in table tennis. I'm Ryan Burrow with Quest for Gold, only on WGNRadio.com.